Take your Bibles, turn to 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, verses 5 through 21. 1 John chapter 5, verses 5 through 21. We're going to finish our series today, uh, Staying Connected. I love preaching through books of the Bible. It's one of my favorite things to do. And it's good, awesome, great. Uh, it, it is honestly uh, a joy as a pastor to preach through the text and uh, glean and let the Holy Spirit work on our hearts uh, as the author intended in its context. And uh, this book has been absolutely no exception, and it has been exceptional. And, and to walk through this, I feel more connected. I feel as though, uh, man, the Lord has brought me to himself in a stronger, better way. And today's message is a very important message. As we close out uh, 1 John, this book will be the last message in the series, um, I, I want you to focus on these truths, these eternal truths, and I, I want you to connect yourself to God. I want you to cement your faith. Uh, make sure that you are concreted in, that the Holy Spirit of God has you tethered to Him in a way like never before. I, I want you to end this series in such a way that you feel strong in your faith, that you are uh, just uh, taking each step knowing that it is what God wants, wants you to do. And have you struggled with that lately? Have you struggled, church, with, with knowing, is it the right step? Are you connected? Uh, you know, is this something that God wants? And if you've struggled with that, if that's been something that's been on your heart and on your mind, I promise today's message will help you. I promise that the Word of God here, as the author intended it, uh, will bring you to a better place. And if you're joining us maybe for the first time, I don't know how that would be possible because we've ended the live feed like three times. Uh, but if you're finding us now, if this video has gotten shared and, and you're joining us, man, stick around, hang around, even though it's been a little crazy and uh, slightly unprofessional because this is on a cell phone. Uh, we, we still uh, desire for you to hang out with us and have church. If it's your first time, why don't you comment on this post? Say, first time. And, and Bethlehem folks, members and attenders alike, make them feel welcome that they're here to have church with us this morning. Um, and also, uh, I would encourage you, if you're not a Jesus follower, if, if you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, it may be... Uh, You've never made a decision of faith to follow Jesus. Uh, I would encourage you. Uh, today could be that day. Today, you may find yourself in a place where Jesus invites you to follow him. Where Jesus works on your heart at the point where he asks you to accept him. And if that happens today, I encourage you. Just accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It is a life uh, that you'll never regret. And, and it's a decision that if you make, it will change your life completely. Let's pray one more time. I'm still trying to get my bearings, uh, honestly, and, and I want to be in the right place uh, as I bring you this text. Father, we, we pray that you would work through, work through this situation, work through these circumstances. Show us your victory. Show up today, Father, with your Holy Spirit. Work, work in your word in our hearts. May we be different. Father, if there is one that is listening this morning that does not know you, I pray that today would be the day that they would accept you, Jesus, as their personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. We doing okay? How we doing? Good? Awesome. All right, well, let's jump in. First uh, John 5, First John 5, verse 5 through 21. Let's, let's go to the Bible. 
1 John chapter 5, verses 5 through 21. And I read, Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Let me say that again. Who is he that overcometh the world? He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 6, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. There are the three that bear witness in earth, in the Spirit, and in water. This was kind of a mind-bender for me this week, um, studying it and thinking about what exactly is the author trying to say. There's three, right, that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, verse 7. And these three are one, 1 John 5, verse number 8. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, water, and the blood. These three agree in one. And if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. So if we receive the witness of men, what God is showing us through men, through the man, Jesus Christ, the God-man, we will understand and believe God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not hath made him a liar. Because he believed not the record of God, the record that God gave his son. Verse 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life, and he that hath not the son hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God. This is a famous verse, an encouraging verse. But let's think about it in context. Jose, are your arms okay? Good. Are you sure? Yep. All right. If you two need to switch, you just let me know. I'll be all right. Uh, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. Confidence. A connected life. A confident life. He, we're, we're reaching the climax to the end here of this text. Confidence in Him. If we ask anything, According to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. If any man see his brother sin, a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life from them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. Verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come again, and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and that we are in him that is true, even in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. We're going to take this last passage of scripture and I'm going to bring you a message today. One that I hope is encouraging. Let's start from the top from what we have read. Here's the first statement. 
Who is he that overcometh the world? Who is he? Let me help you with something. It's Jesus. Jesus is he, and we, through Jesus, overcome the world. No matter what video that you're watching on YouTube, or video on Facebook, or any sort of self-help, or whatever you think that you're going to do in your life that will change the trajectory of your life to overcome, or to accomplish, or to put yourself in a different position, understand this, Christian, understand this, non-Christian, the only way we get out of this thing, the only way we accomplish and overcome the world, what we're living in, all of the sin, have we not seen that life is but a vapor? Have we not seen that through a pandemic, a sickness, a virus, something so incredibly small, it can shut an entire world down. It can cripple the world's greatest economy. It can bring it all to its knees. A small thing. How do we overcome? It seems to me that in these moments, that in these times, we must, those droplets are going. This is why people can't be here. All of those droplets. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it seems that during these times, we better find ourselves in a position that can accomplish, that can overcome. And John tells us specifically, he says, it is Jesus that overcomes. I want to make much of my Lord and Savior today. Listen to this. This is where... I did a little research, a little digging on what John was saying here. Someone keeps calling my iPad, and it's on Do Not Disturb. I don't understand. In the Old Testament, a priest was first washed with water, signifying a cleansing. They were anointed with oil, a picture of the Spirit of God, and they were touched with the blood of the sacrifice for atonement. The image here, if I read the text, verse number 6, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood, and it is the spirit that bears witness because the spirit of truth. So we find here that as we're trying to, in our westernized culture, understand according to what we've been taught in our traditions, how do we reconcile this? The water, is he talking about baptism? Is he talking about that point of salvation? Is he talking about just his atonement? What is he saying? Well, we must understand that we're talking here to first century church. We're talking here to Jewish people, Jewish believers that have been converted, that have believed that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And so the language here we find to those house churches to those people was language in order to build up their faith, in order that Roman uh, or 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the Son of God, that ye may, what? Know that ye have eternal life. So how was John framing this so that they knew that when they believed in Jesus, they would overcome the world? That's what we're, that's what we're doing here. And he find, we find here that he says he came by water. By oil and by blood. The Holy Spirit, oil, water, and, and by blood. The image here is not foreign to our first century Jewish believers. Jesus came by all three as our high priest. John the Baptist's ministry was one of water only. Jesus' ministry was one of water and of blood. Jesus was baptized uh, showing that he was entering into his earthly ministry from a wellspring of fresh water that would never run dry. More than a cleansing of his sins, which was not necessary because he did not have sin. 
He was showing his commitment to a life of living water. He could not offer living water if he was not the living water. He came by water. He came uh, by way and, and being baptized with John showed uh, that he was entering into earthly ministry and entering into a life that was everlasting water. We find that he told this to Nicodemus, born of water and of the spirit. It was a new birth that he was uh, that he was showing Nicodemus. We find also uh, the woman at the well, a well that never runs dry, water that never ends. We find also in his preaching ministry, if any man thirst, let them come and drink of me. Jesus portraying himself as living water to, uh, to a Jewish believer here, they understood that the first thing that the priest did in the old covenant was to cleanse himself with water. As our high priest, he came showing himself as the water, the one that is to cleanse, that is to offer water. And so them understanding that he came by water, of course, the high priest, of course, he would wash himself. Of course, he would cleanse himself in that. And Jesus came showing that he was the cleanser. I'm showing you these things. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build on your faith today to understand that this was thousands of years in the making. If you're just joining us right now on this post, understand that our Savior, Jesus Christ, it, he just didn't show up on the map. It wasn't just something that was a whim. He blew in and took over the world. No, 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 no. This is centuries of the Lord proving that the people could not do it themselves through the law. And then not abolishing that law, but coming to fulfill that law. To meet the requirements, what that does is that shows us that he came and fulfilled those requirements. He was the Messiah. It wasn't just his word. It was in his actions. And he showed in his actions that he was the word. What's the other thing here? Hebrews 9.22. Yeah, you guys need to switch. You're doing okay? Okay. Hebrews 9.22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. If he did not come by the blood, then there would be no power in his claims. There would be no ground for justice to stake its claim on those that he would receive unto himself. He came by water. He came by the blood, knowing that the blood was what would make atonement. The priest would wash himself entering into the temple, wash himself in the water. The priest would take the blood of the sacrifice and put it upon himself, I think three different places, <clears throat> dipping himself in that sacrifice, dipping his fingers in. The priest would also come by way of the blood. Hebrews 9.22 tells us that without that blood shed, there is no remission. John the Baptist by water only, Jesus by water and by blood, giving his life a ransom for all, showing himself to be not only the word, not only the cleansing factor, not only the one that was living water, that was the new covenant, come to earth, that would whoever he comes in contact would uh, drink of him and they would be changed forever, that living water would be produced, but he was able to do that based on his sacrifice, based on the appeasement of the law, based on him, Boring our sin and shedding his blood for our sin. If you're here, understand this, that you have a God that loves you so much. You have a God that cares for you so much. 
that not only does he equip you to live in a perfect way, he paid the price for you to live that way. And we're having a shift change here in the camera. That's the shuffle. Awesome. Man, how's your arms? This is like a modern day version of that story of them holding up Moses' arms, isn't it? I just read that. Yeah. Did you just read that? Mm -hmm. I'm a little behind in my Torah reading, but I'm going to catch up. Uh, so we find here that Jesus came by water and by the blood. Here's the third way he came. Luke 3.22, shown here in our text. I hope this is building your faith like it built on me. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, and thee in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Ghost was a sign of the validity and unity of the Son of God. This was not, a, I tell you again, this was not an isolated incident. This was a God of the universe, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Father and Word and Holy Spirit, working a plan from the beginning of time, understanding what was required, meeting those requirements, coming alongside us, introducing us, saving us. And then leading us to a victorious Christian life. This is a God that when he was there being baptized, showing the cleansing, showing the fact that he was the high priest, ultimately to make the sacrifice, to shed his blood, endowed by the Holy Ghost of God, not moving and operating on his own. This was a God that was 100% obvious to these first century believers, to these disciples. To those that were around. Now I read this, 1 John 5.13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. What I'm saying to you is understand this, that Jesus was who he said he was. Jesus was the Messiah, and it was proven three different factors, eyewitnesses that spoke accordingly. Understand this. Dude, your smirking's killing me. This guy. No more camera holding for you. <laughs> Understand this. That Jesus' coming was for you and for I. And his coming, it was, it was deliberate. It, it, was, it was proven. Man, you know what? It, it seems like anything that you question nowadays, you just go on YouTube, right? You just search it. And there's a... A video that refutes it. That refutes it. Oh, this isn't fact. This isn't evidence. This isn't fill in the blank. In the words of Taylor Swift, haters going to hate, 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 hate. <laughs> this is absolutely a lie. Excuse me. I, I am, look, I'm blown away by the word of God. I'm blown away by... How the, the temple, the old covenant, fits into the new covenant in every way that we could not make a way for ourselves. And John spells it out perfectly. Where do we have such a book? Of course, many can cry wolf and say, contradiction, contradiction, contradiction. Without studying it, without getting to know it, without understanding, without letting the Holy Spirit of God bear witness in your heart and in their heart. I promise you this morning that Jesus was who he said he was. Here's three different proofs that our author shares with us. Yes, I understand that you weren't there. Yes, I understand that you weren't by the Jordan River. 
that you didn't walk through his town with him. I understand that you weren't maybe Zacchaeus. That, that felt the conviction. Do you understand that a man that had all of that wealth, do you, do you understand a man of, of his position completely changing? Co completely paying off all of, his, all of his debts, all of his wrongdoings, completely reversing his life. Do you understand the miracles of Jairus' daughter? Do you understand these people's lives were real? They were changed. They were affected. And ultimately, it was all done within the boundaries of what God said he was going to do. And what he asks us, and we talked about this last week, is that we accept it by faith. We believe it. We trust in it. And we find that the Holy Ghost of God is awaiting you to trust, is awaiting you to believe, is ready for you to receive. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing of Jesus this morning. I encourage you to believe in him. The first thing that we said was, who is he that overcometh the world? I understand that these are tough times. I understand that these are challenging times. Why do I come to you talking about Jesus this morning? Uh, because we have need of a Savior. Because if you're honest with yourself and you're transparent, you know that you have struggles. You know that you have insecurities. You know that you fall short, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know that the things that we want to do, we don't do. Man, how hard is it just to be consistent in diet and exercise? In, in living in moderation? How hard is it just to be consistent with our children? How hard is it just to be consistent in discipline? Consistent in anything? Sin has hold on our lives. The devil, the father of all lies, wants nothing more than to keep us suppressed by our own sin, by our own fear, by our own guilt. But Jesus is saying, understand this, that I came for you, that you may overcome. And I just didn't come saying it myself. I came saying it in the context that I built from the beginning of time, my own word. Understand this, that everywhere that we say, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and we fall short, that never happens with God. That never happens with Jesus. What he said, he did. And if you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, I really wish I could overcome this world. I really wish that uh, I could have security at night when I lay my head on my pillow, that if I died, I would wake up in heaven. That if I died, I would wake up in my Savior's arms. That if I died, what I've done here on this earth wasn't for naught. Wasn't for nothing. You can. 1 John 5.13 We can by believing in He who has overcome all. Let me talk to you Christians for just a moment here. Look at verse 14 if you have your Bibles open. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we will have the petitions that we desired of him. Let me help you with this this morning. God hears our prayers. If everything that I have said this morning resonates with you, if everything that I've talked about, about our Savior Jesus Christ, if it's hit home, if, if you're like, you know what? Shoot. Pastor Matt's right. I have a Savior that has accomplished. I have a Savior that has overcome. 
And maybe you've been listening to the devil. Maybe you've been listening to the father of all lies. And he has you in a position where you're not exercising your God-given rights as a Jesus follower. I want to encourage you today. I want to take just this moment. Why? Because our author did the same thing here in the text. He said this in verse 14. If you have this, if you have the confidence in Jesus, if you know him as your Savior, if you know him as the one that has uh, given you all things in and of himself, number one, God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. We just need to sit there uh, for just a minute. Do, do you understand that? Are you listening to me this morning? That, that you, a human being on this big rock, can speak a word and God hears it. My goodness. What an incredible privilege to be able to talk to the Almighty. God hears our prayers. For those of you that are Christ's followers, you will not go unheard. You will not go unnoticed. And you will not go unloved. This morning, if you believe, if you are the point of this, staying connected with God, you will have a prayer life that says, I know God hears me. And maybe this is the most important thing of this entire series for you to realize that you are heard, that you are not unheard, that you are not unnoticed, unloved. No, no, no. You are loved. You are heard. And, and, and God wants to hear from you. Man, what an incredible truth. Think about that this morning. Think about that thought. Whatever you've said to him this week, what have you said to him? Think, think back through it. What have you said? I think, I think that would be an interesting, uh, interesting conversation, wouldn't it? If we all like legitimately had the transcript of things we said to God, like here it is, and then it's maybe published on Facebook. I mean, that would be pretty cool. What do you think? No, maybe not. <laughs> It's a conversation between you and God. It's, it's a private thing. He hears you. It's a personal thing. He hears you nonetheless. Play back through some of the things that you've said to God. Play back through. Maybe right now you would say, man, that's kind of silly. That, I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's okay. It made sense to him. He, he hears us. We have this confidence that if we have him, he heareth us. What a great thing. If you feel like no one cares, Christian, know that God cares. Here's the second thing I see that he's speaking to the believers. God answers our prayers according to his will. We need to have more confidence in God's answering than our own. See, I think that's, that's the issue here. If we understand that God is hearing us, then we see here the second thing that John is saying. Understand that, uh, I'll just read it to you, this confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us, and we know that he heareth us whatsoever we ask. We know that we will have the petitions that we desired of him. If we're in him, why don't we let him grant those petitions the way he sees fit according to his will? If we pray according to his will, we know that he hears and he will accomplish his work in our lives. Instead of pointing out the fact that God has not heard you and God has not answered your prayers and God is not working, we have to go back to the text and say, no, the truth of the matter is he does hear you and he does answer, but he answers those petitions according to his will. Maybe you're wanting the answer. Maybe you're wanting to control the narrative and the narrative belongs to him. How does it belong to him? Why is it his say so? We already covered this. Jesus came. Jesus fulfilled everything that we're not able to do and able to fulfill. Do you understand this? 
That we are to live in God's victory and we are to pray in that victory. If, if you're trying to still do this thing of life, if you're still trying to accomplish good works yourself, if you're still trying to uh, will these things into existence, then you're missing the point of prayer, Christian. Prayer is, is I communicate to God knowing that he hears, knowing that he will give an answer according to his will. Say whatever you want to say. Take it in your prayer closet. Let him have it. Get it off your chest, so to speak. But know that the answer belongs to him. The life of victory, if we're truly living by the unseen, by faith, we know that what he accomplishes is what's best for us. Thy will done on earth as it is accomplished in heaven. If we had the right perspective of prayer, DJ, I wonder if we would pray more. You know what I mean? I was thinking about this Think about that thought this week. I wonder, church, if we would pray more if we had the right framework for prayer. But our framework is, I want this, and I'm going to frame that like it's something that God's going to do for me because it's a part of His will. No, no, no. We go to God with the premise that we know that everything we utter, He hears, and He makes it into something according to His will. Let's not go to God this week with these predispositions of, I think that's the right word, but these preconceived notions of how we want our lives to play out. Let's not do that this week. Let's just go to God. Let's, let's understand that we already have the answer in Jesus, and by faith, the way he chooses to play that out in our lives is the gospel working out in our lives, and that's the power of it. Let me give you an example of this. If someone is saved, you should pray that their sin is swallowed up in their salvation. This is kind of my, my understanding of what the author is saying here, my paraphrasing for you. I, what I'm getting here is that the, the author is saying, if someone is saved, you should pray that their sin is swallowed up in their salvation. We already have the victory. We already know that God has accomplished his will. And we are praying that that salvation swallows up what we are dealing with. If someone is saved. If someone is not saved, you should pray that God gives them salvation to swallow up their sin. If someone is saved, pray that their sin is swallowed up in their salvation, knowing that positionally they are in Christ. They are in a place where their sin has been condemned. It's not condemning them. It's been accomplished that Jesus Christ, by the water, by the blood, by the Holy Spirit, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And if we will just put our trust in Him, He saves us. He wraps his loving arms around us, and he allows us to live in that victory. So if you're saved, pray today, say, God, God, please, I pray that my sin is swallowed up in my salvation. And if someone is not saved, God, I pray that you would give them salvation to swallow up their sin. Our position in Christ will keep us from being given to idols. People that we know that do not know the Lord, we have to understand this. People that we know that do not know the Lord are given to idols, so put God on display in front of them. Put God on display in front of them. If we pray, and we know that God hears us, if we know that the answer belongs to the will of God in our lives, if we're praying 
aka our sin, our failures, our insecurities, then we must put that on display for those that are around us. I wonder if this is something that is present in our prayer lives, Christian. Are you concerned with verse 12? He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Are you concerned? Are you just tunnel vision focused on whether you feel good, whether you have the complete assurance of your faith? Chances are you're focused on something that you shouldn't necessarily be focused on. The tunnel vision should not happen. Why? We should be concerned about our brother and sister. We have been called in the commandment to love one another, and there is no greater love than for us to put Jesus and put God on display for a lost and dying world that has plenty of idols on display for them. How many things does the devil display for our families, our brothers and sisters, those that don't know the Lord? There are so many idols that are in this world. There are so many gods, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. That he's already talked about those in, in the book. That Satan is using these to connect to people. And God is saying, listen, I'm going to use you to connect to them. Just want you to put me on display. But see, he challenges us. He says, Little children, keep yourself from idols. What if we're given to the very things that they're given to? There's no difference. I would venture to say that we don't find verse 12 in our prayer lives. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Our position in Christ is compromised when we live in our forgiven past. And focus on things that have no eternal value. Focus on being connected in our faith. Focusing, forgive me. Focusing on being connected in our faith is the number one priority for a Christ follower. We do so by living in Jesus' victory and not our past defeat. Jesus is not showing us how to win. He did win and invites us to reap the benefits of his win. That's it. That's the Christian life. We pray in victory. We live in victory. So does that define your prayer life, Christian? Does that define your outlook? John is trying to connect us. He's trying to keep us from false teachers. And if he can set the stage correctly and say, do you understand this, that Jesus came in all the ways that we could not accomplish. Jesus, through the gospel, is, is positioning you for his win and for to receive the benefits of that win. So therefore, suffering is not a loss. Paul said, I have fellowship. In Jesus himself. The gospel puts times like this pandemic in context. We know that death could not keep Jesus. We know that the grave could not hold him. We have Easter Sunday to celebrate resurrection. Why? That's context. That's understanding that when I pray, he hears me. That when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I have a shepherd. I have someone that is leading me. This world is not, this, this life, rather, is not the end. My 70 years on this earth, if sickness finds me and takes my life, my life is hid with Christ and God. I have set my affection on things above. I'm just trying to give you perspective. If you are saved, don't fear, Christian. Live in faith and, and pray in faith and live in victory. Here's, a, I, I close this book. Staying connected, that's been our theme here. I am content with my new life. I am relishing 
my watered soul. I am consistent in my disciplines of living in Christ. This is, this is what our author keeps going back to over and over again. I am confident in this life so much that I have focused, I am focused through a life of prayer to not waste one second on something other than God. I am connected. I hope that that's where you, believer, you, member of Bethlehem Church, is. I hope that's where you are. I hope that you're living a connected life. I hope that you're experiencing all the ways that Jesus came, the water that he offered to the woman at the well. I hope that you're experiencing new life, new creation happening in your life. I hope that you're understanding of and grateful for the blood that he shed. Without that blood, there is no remission. I hope that you have the Holy Spirit of God, the oil, the fresh oil on your life that is uh, lubricating every aspect of suffering and issues and things that we go through. Because that's what it does. It brings clarity. It allows us to move in the Holy Ghost of God. I hope you, you are connected. And I transition here to say this. What if you're not? What if all the victory that I speak of and what if the idea of having victory in this global pandemic boggles your mind? What if the idea of losing your life on this planet right now blows your mind in fear? I invite you into a life that is not consumed with the things of this life. I invite you into a Christian worldview where we put our focus, where we set our affection on our God. Where Jesus becomes your greatest treasure. Where living for him becomes the goal because he's equipped you to do so. And I promise you, it is the life worth living if this world is all you have. I offer you this morning something greater. I offer you what Jesus offered you. The gospel. The good news. The fact that it doesn't end here. You can't put your faith and trust in yourself anymore. You can't put your faith and trust in your works. And Christian, that goes for you too. You have to put your faith, you have to put your trust, you have to put your life in Jesus. And put your trust in Him, that He is enough. And that He will save you. And that He was who He said He was. That's what the author is trying to do. We do that. We, we turn to Romans and we think about what the Apostle Paul says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If today you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, I invite you, send us a message here on our Facebook, comment below, get in touch with us, and say, I want to be a Jesus follower. I want to give him my life. I want to know what it's like to live a connected life like you're talking about. I want to know what it's like to talk and God to hear me. If that's you today, get in touch with us. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He wants you to make that decision. And we want to lead you in that. But we want to do it maybe over the phone. Maybe through social distancing this week. <laughs> if you want to pray right now, you can. If you're ready to invite the Lord in your heart. It would, look, it, would, it would sound something like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And because of my sin, I deserve to go to hell. 
But I know you, Jesus, paid that penalty for me. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and change me forever. I put my faith and trust in you, Jesus. It's in your name.